This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer, beer culture, our adventures and discussing the topics that are reverberating around the beer community. This is Beer Longing. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Good evening gentlemen. Hi guys. Good evening everybody. Well look, let's let's get into our first beers. So, so, so these are the beers that we send to each other. From the shelves, from the shelves, from the shelves. Who wants to start this one? Well, I'll tell you what. I, 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 shall maybe I you start? Should. Yeah, yeah. Shall I start? Because I didn't get a beer. Oh, oh dear. Insert, insert Why was the, that, the crowd noise there. Because cause Mark's <laughs> not good with timings and things. And if he doesn't get constant reminders uh, about things, he doesn't do things in, in time. So um, Mark was supposed to be sending me uh, a beer this month. And despite his best efforts to get to me, get it to me today on the day of recording, I wasn't actually at home today. So there was no one here to receive it. So instead, what I've done is I've gone into the cupboard and I've found the most Mark Johnson thing I possibly could in my cupboard. So yes. for a third show in a row, I've got a beer from Torside. Yay! <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking the American Barley Wine 2020 from, from their Monsters 2020 series. As well. yeah, so, mm. And it's uh, starting off on a small 11% this, this month as well. I don't remember so much about the 2020 version off the top of my head, but uh, the American Barley Wine series is one of those. I mean, I know you're, you've certainly become in the last couple of years a big American barley wine fan Steve and I have been for as long as I've been into newer inverted commas craft beers um such a favorite style of mine and basically the style that made me think this Torsai group might actually be before I actually had a smoke beer of theirs it was actually the American barley wine I was like yes there's a there's a brewery in the northwest doing American barley wines. That was back in like 2015. So one an annual release of theirs I absolutely always look forward to. As I say, I can't remember that year's release off the top of my head. So how's it tasting? It's it's tasting fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, as you say, it's it's two obviously two years old. But I think when was it? Because it's actually yeah, it's bottled November 2020. So literally two years to to the month as I'm drinking it. Am I right in saying that they they also release an English barley wine at the same time? So they do it. They they do a vintage of each each year. Or am that's I imagining right, yeah. that? No, that's completely right. Yeah. So yeah, um, but, but this is so delicious. Get... It's oh, it's, it's it's warming. It's it's certainly warming me up. But it's it's got that big boozy bitterness that you get from the American style style barley wine. Um, absolutely delicious. The the rose very hoppy at the front. Uh, you know when, when they're fresh um and as they get older obviously they become a bit more sticky but there have been a couple of years where you, you know just like all yearly release annual releases of things a couple of year years have been 
as they've got older, just a bit got a bit harsher as the hops have faded. So I think 2019 was probably my least. I, I remember 2019 being my least favorite, but I can't remember 2020. But I've definitely still got a bottle myself. So if it's good, then I can look forward to that as well. It's it's very good, and thank you for sending this to me, Mark. Yeah, I've, no I've worries really, at really, all. Really, really enjoyed it. It's really, really <laughs> delicious. <laughs> and and I will it. have to uh, when when your beer actually does arrive. Uh, I think I'll hang on to it and, until the, the the next show or the next rotation oh. where you're supposed to be sending me a beer, just so I know I've actually got one. On, on the, the, the only good thing is that I was worried it was a bit too big for you to drink it on the show, but it was actually slightly less percent than the beer you've chosen anyway. So, oh, okay. And and I really I did pick it out for you, thinking you'd really enjoy it. So I do hope that you can keep hopefully keep it back for a show that we can do in the future. Rob, what have you been sent this month? I have been sent um, a beer from Data Attitude Brewing Co. and it's called Blackwater Black IPA. And that is from a brewery in Tollis Hunt, Darcy, in Essex, that I've never heard of. And, uh, yeah, as, as it says on the can, I'm not surprised to see that it is uh, Simcoe and Mosaic hops, so you're getting it's a long... Well, the, the colour of it looks like it's a very dark brown, but then I'm getting, like, a lot of stone fruit flavors, and then there's definitely a sticky, resinous pine thing to it. But I, th- I think maybe I could, I'd want a little bit more bitterness from it just to balance all the, the roasted malts. So, uh, Steve, uh, tell us more about this brewery and Tolls Hunt Darcy. Okay, so um, let me tell you about the place first. So Tullesant Darcy is, isn't is far from where I live, actually. Um, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that this, this brewery is actually planning on um, expanding and opening a taproom as, as well, because like I say, it's, it's, it's nowhere near anywhere where there's any public transport. Um, in, in fact, the nearest town to it well, you, you may even call it a large village rather than a town is is a place called Tiptree, which is quite famous for jam in in essex so if you've ever been to a fancy hotel and had those little pots of jam at, at, at breakfast that come from wilkin and sons they come from Tiptree in essex which is just down the road from me really really proud of that little fact and <laughs> this this brewery is just down the road from from them um, reason why I chose this to send to you this month is I, I was in two brews in Colchester, which is the, the the bottle shop in there, and Paul has a great selection of beers in there, and I literally just couldn't choose a beer to, to send to you, so I asked Paul to choose it. Um, oh, cool. So and he went straight for it. He said he said these guys are doing some really exciting stuff. It'd be it'd be good to to get them a little bit of exposure. Um, I then followed that up with. And here's the big reveal. You guys had a go at me for going to a Christmas festival uh, a, a few weeks ago. Damn I paid <laughs> four quid to get into that festival just to talk to the guy that owns this brewery. That, that is how much you are just obsessed with Christmas in November. No, 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 no. I, I did it. Been going on about it since September. To <laughs> Go and talk to Sam. So um, I met Sam at the festival and I had a chat with him and he was telling me um, about their plans to expand. Um, They've they've got uh, a very small kit at the moment. Literally, they get about 300 cans out of every brew that they do uh, at the moment. So it is very, very small batch. Does say on the can small batch as well. 
Yeah. What yeah. was Sam dressed as an elf and you were dressed as Father Christmas? As he was, he was not. No, no, absolutely not. It was a very festive feel, but I wasn't there for the Christmas. I was there for the brewery, for the research. That's that's how dedicated I am. I just shut up about Christmas, man. I'm not, I'm not talking about Christmas. But anyway, um, Rob, I, I agree with you because I got myself a can of that as well because I always like to try the beers I'm sending to, to, to you guys. So, so that I get a, a feel for what they're like as well. And I found it very soft. Yeah, it is very soft. In fairness to it, it does say New England style Cascadian Dark Ale slash Black Eyed PA. So yeah. I guess they are achieving what they're going for, but I, I just want a little bit more bitterness to just get that balance right for, for my taste buds. Yeah, I, I did pick up a couple of other beers from him as well, and mm. they've, they've, they've got one um, that I drank at the weekend, um, which is a, a New England style IPA, and they absolutely nailed the style. And I, and I think that's that's clearly where they're setting their stall out in the, yeah. the the kind of hazy, soft, stone fruity type area. Um, although although they did also I did also pick up an ESB, and that was pretty decent as well, but wasn't hazy. It's definitely a well made beer, and like obviously no one on the podcast can see this, but it's a there's a nice head to it and good head retention, which is something that. Sometimes say a beer, you get something that says small batch. You do lack some of that that quality sometimes, especially if they're just first starting off canning and just dialing it in right. Mm. But yeah, it's a, it's a good beer. Cool. I'm I'm glad, I'm glad you like it, and I'm I'm glad the time that I spent um, going to that particular festival uh was money well spent to go and talk to sam the festival about of christmas doing. yes the, the, the festival <laughs> of december um it's all right this comes out in december so technically you're all right we're so. allowed to talk about christmas yeah. yeah yeah but but no so um yeah watch out for datum attitude i think they are going to i think once they get this expansion um and if they can scale all their stuff up i, I think they're going to be starting to put out a lot of beers i mean they are very local in in essex at the moment you can, there's probably the only place you can get them is in a couple of bottle shops and and and, and a few pubs as, as well I do like the I like the design on the can as well. Actually, if anyone is able to look up the Blackwater Swatch IPA, it's got like a wave thing going on, but it's almost got like a like a Maori, like New Zealand um, design to it, which I don't think is intentional, but it looks cool. So, Mark, um, what are you drinking? I ask knowingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you do because I thought it was from Steve originally. Um, I am drinking from Attic Bruco who I believe might, Rob might know a bit about, uh, English IPA, 6%. Modern IPA, 100% English ingredients, success of Brexit. Uh, Pilgrim, Olicana, Jester and Harlequin hops in a 6% IPA. Yeah, so that's and- uh, Attic Broco in, in Sturchley in, in South Birmingham, which is a place that you didn't get to visit when you came down to a summer cess because you just popped up out of nowhere in, on, on the Saturday. So, yeah. But I thought it's kind of a throwback to the beer that Steve sent me on, on the first show as well with these new new age English hops. So, yeah, I'm, I'm always interested to see how they can be used to um, challenge what we believe to be an English IPA. I, re- I, I, I really like this, and I'm trying to then think back to what I think was the best description of British hops that Steve ever used, which was 
that the the whole stone fruit kind of comparison is that um american hops taste like fresh stone fruit whereas uh, British hops taste like gone off stone fruit. Was that was it something around well, that? Kind oh, of... overripe, I guess. Overripe, yeah. that was it. The, yeah. the American stuff is 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 like fresh fruit. Mm. The, the, yeah. the, the the English hops are like um, the, the stuff that you pick up in the bargain bin in in the supermarket at the end yeah. of the day. <laughs> yeah, uh, and certainly with Olicana, I find that the most accurate description of Olicana ever. Um, so whether it's the combination of the hops here um it's got that it's it's in the right place between it's not that they're not bitter in hops it's not bitter at all but it's also not soft and oniony and yeah. you know it's just quite it is quite peachy but it's actually just a perfectly ripe peach it's not yeah. an, it's not an overripe peach it's not an underripe peach it's not sharp it's just it's just, just a peach it's just a peach it's just James a peach. Giant peach. It's just fruity in a really nice way. And yeah. so whether it's the combination of the three hops together, um, whether it's just because it's perfectly well made, the people that really care about the naming of beers will hate the fact that this is called a English IPA because they'll start saying that things like the one, well, well, the ones that the ones that already exist in this country, Beng, Bengal Lanter or something like that, is the epitome of that kind of thing, which is isn't correct. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's fruity, peachy, and doesn't taste disgusting. So it's absolutely lovely. Thank That's, you. I always enjoy a beer that doesn't taste disgusting. While we are finishing these first beers, let's have a chat about what we've been getting up to this month. Rob, let's um, let's start with you because I, I I think you were at an event just last night, weren't you? That you're probably going to talk about. Yeah, so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give you some quick bullet points for three things that I've done recently because I've been pretty busy by my standards. So first of all, uh, last week or the week before or whenever it was, I forget the concept of time. I uh, I was in London for the first time since 2019. Well, properly anyway, and. Um, I was going to a gig in Bethnal Green and it just so happened that Leon C Brewing were doing a tap takeover at the Cock Tavern in Hackney, which is a pub that I'd never been to before. So I headed over for that. Love the pub. And it was my first time getting to try the Leon C beers on draft because I'd only had the, the cans before. So yeah, I, I had a, a nice amount of points there and it was nice to see a friend of the show, Matt Chinnery, who is the, uh, the sales guy for the brewery. So that was uh, that was Friday, and then on no, that was Thursday. Sorry, then Friday, I went to the Southampton Arms, which is another London pub that I'd never actually been to before, and it was uh, everything I hoped it would be. But I'll just have to go in the daytime now, and it's a bit quieter, so I can sit down in Poets Corner rather than being the lunatic who was sat out the front in the cold. <laughs> Did you uh, have pints of Yarl though? Was the Yarl? No, it wasn't on Mark. No, what is I, that? No. Shit? Yeah, I was drinking so the uh, Burning yeah. Sky Porter, which is, in fairness, is an absolutely fantastic beer. So I had no qualms with that. Saturday, I got back to Birmingham and I had a nice crawl round round there and met a couple of people who I know from uh, Nat Watson's Virtual Beer School. So that that was lovely. 
And then last night, my last bullet point, I was invited to kind of the, the soft launch event for the new North Bruin tap room in Snow Hill, which we heard touched on briefly in the last episode. So nice to be invited down. It was absolutely, it was really busy in there, really great atmosphere, buzzing. Um, I was gifted uh, some complimentary drinks vouchers, which is always enjoyable. And there was some some, some food going around from Little Bow Boy. So yeah, it's a really nice space. It's very similar to the Sovereign Street. Um, no, it's is it Sovereign Street the one the like the city centre one in Leeds, or anyway the the Leeds um, centre tap. So yeah, I think it, I think it'll do well in Birmingham. Like some people have got mixed ideas about Leeds moving in, into Birmingham, but I think in in the location it's not going to cause any of the local businesses too much trouble. But it does provide kind of a link between the city centre and then the jewellery quarter. When, when you say that, do you mean people like myself, you know, who had issues with breweries moving into city centres, or do you mean actual drinkers in Birmingham have raised some concerns? Uh, it's, to be honest, it's more just like drinkers who are like really protective of their, of their local businesses, which which is great, but I... I think I think it's always good to have something new as well. Some people are just frightened of a bit of change, and it does just add something just slightly different in that particular area in in the city centre. Yeah. So anyway, that was my uh, my busy beery adventures. What have you been up to, Steve? Uh, not really that much. Um, to to be honest with you, I was uh, I've, I've had sort of like a week of being quite ill. Um, so that's kind of put me on my ass a little bit, but before that hit, um, I did have a, a, a day, well, it was ended up being an afternoon, uh, at the Vic in, in, in Colchester because, um, for the first time, certainly in the, the, the history that I've known them, they had Jaipur on, 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 on cask. So I made sure I went down and gave that a thoroughly good thrashing, um, just, uh, lots of quality control going on there. Um, just to make sure it was was tasting spot yeah. on as, as, as well. I've heard that the new landlord doesn't have uh, so many gripes with Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. No, no, not no. as many, not not as many as the old landlord. Um, yeah. So it was it was lovely to see Jaipur on though, and like I say, it was it was tasting great. So so that and we we went down there with with, with M M. It was like M and I and uh, her sisters and their partners, and we spent the afternoon in the Vic. And I, th- I think probably listeners will know that the Vic doesn't do food, but they are very open to you taking your own food in. So we took in a full on cheese board with, with us, and we literally <laughs> sat in the pub on on this Saturday afternoon with this wonderful cheese board just drinking pints of jaipur and eating cheese uh i was like a pig in shit i really was Uh, (laughs) we were sat sat in front of one of the windows as well and it was it was actually on the day that was fireworks night so when the big display went off in the park we could see the fireworks in the sky as well and we didn't even have to get cold or pay to see the fireworks (laughs) so it was like pretty much ended up being the perfect day had had a lovely time nice one so the the afternoon turned into evening then afternoon into evening in in, into a bit of a stagger home yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for sure um and then i went to ipswich as well we went to we went to see a show in ipswich um we went to a place called the arcade street tavern beforehand which is um comes highly recommended by people from from that area and it's a lovely uh a lovely little pub very 
very welcoming, very friendly, got a real nice vibe about it when you walk in there. I think they've got something like 10 um, draft keg lines, might be 12, and then two or three cask lines. Um, I was devastated because they they had two cask beers on and then on the wall behind them where they had the coming next and they have the pump clips, the next one up was Yarl. And oh. it, just, it just didn't. It just didn't come on while we're in there. I would have stayed uh, there till it came on. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, we had a show to get to. But there's the, there's the selection of stuff that was in there, and ironically as well, they had um, a tap takeover from Play Bruco, who oh. Mark you were talking about last month, and you sent Rob the the the, the beer last month. So that's right. Yeah, uh, they had quite a few of the Play Bruco beers on probably safe to say none of them really in the sort of style that i want to drink so a lot of uh a lot of uh sweet and lollipop flavored milkshake beers uh the one that i went for which i thought was the safest was uh long wave pal which was described as a hazy pal owl rather than anything else uh it was still quite juicy um it was it was drinkable enough it's not the sort of thing i really go for um but it was it was I just found it ironic that literally I had never heard of this brewery before. And and then in the space of about three weeks, um, we were talking about them on the show. And then there was this tap takeover in Ipswich of, of, of all places. Um, but the two standouts for me that, that I had while I was in there, um, one of them was uh, a beer that I was surprised to find I've never had before, which was from Fine Owls. But it was their workbench American IPA. Yeah, absolutely cracking old school. American resinous piney bitter IPA, just just really really nice, and I, I can't can't for the life of me believe that I've not had that before, but uh, apparently not. Um, and then just as we were we were coming into our final couple of beers, they put on a fresh keg of Pintle as well um, from Burnt Mill, and and I was all over that. I was like, yep, yeah, give give me some pints of that in my face. But uh, I would I would highly recommend if anybody does find themselves in Ipswich, the Arcade Street Tavern, um, and and especially if you're I, I suppose if you're kind of why would you find yourself randomly in Ipswich if you were maybe there for an away fixture uh, for the football? It's not that far from Portman Road either, so it's easily walkable uh, before or after the the, the match. Um, and a great selection of Belgian beers in in bottles in the fridge as as well. I, I, I did have a saison Dupont as well because you, you just can't beat having one of those cold from from the fridge. So um, so yeah, uh, that that's about it for me. Uh, I, th- I think there's I, th- I think there's a couple of points there just to quickly pick up on. What one being play Bruco? I, I I think you messaged me at the time, Steve, and I, I replied back saying I if it was if that had been the month I was sending you a beer, I probably wouldn't have sent you a play Bruco one. Definitely more Rob style of brewery, a bit more experimental, do a bit more hazy things. You know, oh, you more, got a more, more Rob style. Um, you got an yeah. interesting op- opinion of Moya uh, tasting beer there, Mark. <laughs> no, I just think it, well. I thought I thought it was a bit complimentary, to be honest. Well, what what you he's know, saying, Rob, just... is, is is that is that you're not as stuck in your ways as I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I am. I am no, to an extent. Well, tough. You're getting <laughs> sent shit from yeah, me Mark, in future. <laughs> right. um, Mark, 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 I'm thoroughly modern, nearly over here. 
I think I'm, I'll remember next month saying something boring, Rob. Right? Yeah, something okay. boring yeah. and brown. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen now, I'm afraid. Um, and second point is, it's interesting, actually. It'll be something good to come back to, I think, at some point about breweries that have such a strong flagship beer. Um, and fine is a good example because Yarl has such a presence, you know, in me especially. Um and they have beers like Avalanche is an absolutely superb beer, about 4.4%. Um, and Workbench is a cracking beer. And I remember during lockdown when I was buying mini kegs and stuff and fine, I'd have things like Workbench in mini kegs. And I'd just be like, oh, God, I love Workbench. Imagine a imagine a mini keg of that. I'd be like, nah, just too many kegs of gel will do me. <laughs> I, like the, the drawer is just so strong. but. If it had been, if that beer belonged to a different brewery, I do think it would get a lot more plaudits than it does. But it's so overshadowed by just how great Yarl is that, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think you're right to ra- raise that. It's an interesting point, actually. Yeah, like, like, like I say, I, I, they had, they had, like I said, they had the workbench and they had the the Yarl coming soon. And there was there was another one, and it might have been Avalanche as well that they had coming soon on cask, as as well. So they had obviously had uh, a, a, either a few beers in from Fine, or they had had a previous tap takeover from Fine as 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 well. But it's like like I say, a great little pub in terms of um, what it actually offers. That it, like in in terms of the beer, it's it's next to one of there. There are two um there are kind of two theaters in Ipswich. So there's the, there's the Regent Theater, uh, which was where we were going. But right next to the Arcade Street Tavern is the um the Corn Exchange, and and they do a lot of shows and stuff in there as well. So obviously it's well placed in terms of uh, capturing those sorts of markets as as, as well. So yeah, Arcade Street Tavern in in, in Ipswich, uh, very much recommend it. So Mark, apart from trying to uh, damage every part of your body uh, <laughs> what what have you been up to in in this last month well um i had quite a quiet month until i did continuously injure myself and i was in york for the most part of these injuries um it was my first time in york since 2015 i worked out myself whilst i was on the way there which is weird because it's one of those places that it's easily to get to easy for me to get to it's on the train line out and i pass through the train station a lot i've changed i've probably been in the york tap a few times in recent years changing trains to go elsewhere but the first time i've been drinking in york in about seven years and um i mean it's it's so but we all know it's terrific but it's nice to have that re-cemented when it's been that long but it did re-cement something from the last show of I just like pubs I mean I just really like pubs there are newer things obviously coming up in York but it's still nicely very pub heavy and the newer things or even the things that are new as in in the last 10-15 years I don't feel new anymore I just they're just not as good as what's been there. And the standout for me was um a pub that I actually had been in before and it became recommended by a few people, including very heavily recommended by Steve. And he said, Surely you'll remember this place. And I didn't until I walked in, and it was the Bluebell. And what a cracking pub. 
what a, what a pub. I mean, what a pub. It's just, it's only two small rooms. I luckily got there at the perfect time because within like 15 minutes of me getting there and ordering a beer, it was already getting full and people were asking to just sit on other people's tables because it's just one small room in the front and one small room at the back. Oh, just, it's just a pub. I don't even want to go into just details about it. Although the House IPA is just fantastic. It's just, it's just a, it's just a pub. Is it it an old school, old school two room boozer with the bar in the middle of the two? Yeah. 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 And I mean, there's even a a drawback curtain between the, um, the bar serving area so that you can't even, see behind there it's just and a little hatch for the thing at the back it's just gorgeous but i went oh. to a few little um pubs that are still within the interior of the city walls as they are at york um and so they're still very very much central but were proper locals pubs if i can call them that when you think of how many of the places there are so touristy um, there was the Akhorn, the Golden Ball, and the Slip In were just fantastic pubs. If if you if you go into York anytime in the next twelve months, try and try and fit those three pubs into, or, or at least one of those into your into your trip because they just they just boozers, they just boozers, just full of local people. Yeah. And there's so much shit. I mean, I went to both the Trembling Madness places. They are both superb. You know, for the team that works there, and I order from Trembling Madness online a lot as well. Absolutely brilliant run places, but now they've become a bit touristy. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was there on a Wednesday afternoon and it was still full of, I was going to say full of fucking tourists. As, as, you know, yeah. that, that's what you, I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what you is. are. It's fine. It's absolutely, you know, it's brilliant for them, but it's. That's just, what you were. You were also a man visiting. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not, not complaining about that. But it's just, it's you know, it's, it's you not just, one for us to snuggle down in, 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 in a place. Whereas, you know, some of those places on the outside. And, and since I've come back, I've already had like three or four recommendations that, I hadn't heard of of pubs within the city walls, not on my radar whatsoever. That other people have said, <laughs> give it, it, I, I think it's. Um, I, I read something somewhere that there's 365 pubs within the, uh, the York city limits now. I don't know whether that's true, but it wouldn't surprise me. So there is a lot to go at, and I, th- I just I just recommend it as a beer drinking city, but just don't stick to the um good beer craft beer ideals of places to go because there's so many great pubs yeah. so many to feel yeah. like a proper worldly person you've got to go and do as the the locals do the the old the old men who know where it's at yeah yeah but then at the same time proper you know pubs. A, a, a good uh, friend of mine said uh, are you going to the guy forks in which is literally right opposite the minster and I thought, no, sure, that's the most tourist crap place in the world. But he said, yeah, but come the evening on a, a winter's evening, it's just one of the nicest places to just go and sit and have a pint. So, again, you just don't know, do you? But no. well, such I've... a such a great city, so great. I haven't really. been. I haven't been there since the year two thousand, and I didn't go to any pubs then because I was 
I would have been nine years old and turned 10 yet. <laughs> so, yeah, I really need to go and just experience York. While we've been going through what we've been up to, um, I've probably drunk my 11% American barley wine far too quickly. Um, really, really tasty stuff, though. Uh, what are we all having in our glass for our second round this evening? Uh, yeah, so for my second beer, I've kind of had to think, oh, hang on, which beers have I actually got in the house? And I've still got some of these crazy imperial stouts from Brew York hanging around. So I have got in my glass Empress Tong Cocoa, which is the Tonka Bean, Vanilla, Coconut and Cacao Imperial Milk Stout. And if I was to describe it, I would uh, say that it tastes like a supercharged coconut licorice all sort. Sounds horrific. Well, I, I, I like them to be fair, <laughs> but um, I probably want about. I probably only want to drink a half of this, but I've got a four forty can, so uh, let's. This is going to be interesting on on a school night as well. Well, strange is that I, I've I've been. I think I've always been a fan of Tonka Bean, but maybe when it was new, and I, I don't I don't want to say I'm over it, but. Um, again, whilst I was in York, um, I went to the Brew York Beer Hall and there was some of the Calabageddon beers on there. And a couple of them had Tonka in, one of them being Elusive's collab with somebody. I think it's a, some kind of white stout. So that, that's with uh, Radio City in Chelmsford. Right. Um, I like Tonka in beer, but I really found that far, far too much. Too um, much Tonka. Too much Tonka. And I thought, but I can't remember the last time that I had Tonka in a beer, so, but I I don't know. I, I I think it was one of those flavors that when it first came out, I was like, oh, this is new. This is interesting. And now, unless it is particularly well balanced, it's, it is a little bit intense for me, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I have to say about this, this is what is 10.6% and it's very, very rich. And it's, it's definitely like a cross between one of those coconut licorice all sorts and a dark chocolate bounty bar. So it's 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 a it's a nice mouthful, but really I only want to drink a third or a half of it. So, uh, yeah, I might struggle towards the end of this. Maybe it'll change a little bit as it warms up. Let's see. What have you gone for, Steve? So I had, I had a choice at this point. I was going to... There was an 8.5% beer... Um, or there was stepping down a bit further from the 11%. And bearing in mind what I've got lined up for my last beer, I wanted to step down. Um, so I've gone for a beer that I'm not really going to say too much about because this month's guest is going to talk about this beer as well. So I'm drinking No Rest for Dancers from Lost and Grounded. It's, it's, it's their Red Owl. Um, and, and Sophie will be talking uh, about this when... Um, the the interview plays a little bit later on, but I still had this in my fridge because she very kindly sent us some beers, and I thought actually in terms of the other two beers that I'm bookending with this with, it sits quite nicely in the middle. Um, although having had my first sip of it, it's really not holding up against the eleven percent American barley wine, <laughs> and I'm getting nothing from it at the moment. Uh, but I, I think that will change as, a, as 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 I drink my way through it a little bit more. Uh, Mark, what's what's your second beer? Uh well, um Smokey Johnson. Uh but to keep on theme anyway, I've gone for Baba Yaga, which is a slightly smoked stout from St. Mars of the Desert in mm-hmm. Sheffield. Uh, we all know 
very well. Uh, it's 5.6%, and it is slightly smoky. It's that kind of, well, it's a kind of level of smoke, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably happy with the level of smoke. It just, I mean, I, I'll always want it a bit more dialed up. They've said slightly smoky, so I'm happy with what I've been prepared for. I'd say that, again, for a stout, I, it's one of those things that I've said on a previous episode and I feel like I'm banging on about a bit. It take, If it's 5.6% and it tastes a little bit thin... And somehow, sometimes when people do use a little bit less smoked malt in the beer, it's almost leaves a little bit less body behind it as well. So it's a little bit not as robust as maybe it should be. These are fantastic brewers and they know what they're doing. I'm not really, can't really fault the, the quality of the beers in that way. Just a personal preference. I'd like a bit more body in that, but actually... I think I think that I would happily name this a smoked beer. This would happily fit well in Route Corner with Smokey Johnson. There's a, a plenty of wood wood smoke, sort of like uh, summer campfire kind of like smoke. I always say there's different experiential levels when it comes to smoke, and I'd say this kind of reminds me of dying embers of uh, a summer campfire. That is that is the experiential level that I'm getting on it. What type um, of wood would you say at this mark? Uh, birch, birch, yeah, so okay. go to a whole new level here. Um, uh, I'm, but... I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here thinking about those dying embers. Mate. I can just, I can just but, see them. Uh, hear, I, 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 hold, I, I do, I do. Oh, man. who doesn't love a dying ember? Yeah, I, I hope that's warming up <laughs> listeners on this evening, but then you'll just be disappointing, just go, yeah, but I wish I had a bit more backbone, you know, this, this, <laughs> this fire's gonna die. Very, very soon. Uh, but <laughs> all the same, Baba Yaga, though, is named after a, some kind of Slavic uh, folklore tale. And I like all that about St. Mars of the Desert. I really do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, decent. Could be better. You know, look forward to more smoke beer in the future from myself. While we're drinking our way through these, let's get on to this month's review. No, Reverberations. <laughs> Thank you, Rob, for jumping in and saving me there. Reverberation. 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 It's reverberation. Between recording the last show and this present show, there has been a lot of talk within the community about one particular camera publication, annual publication, that is the Camera Good Beer Guide 2023 version. Um, I would like to say, first and foremost, as a bit of a disclaimer, the next segment is not about bashing camera. That is not what we're about. They're a very sensitive group. Every time I have a discussion about something that involves camera, all they hear is, we hate camera. I am still a camera member. I want to make this very clear. This discussion is about one particular book. It may involve some thoughts about that group. This isn't about bashing camera. Camera people, calm down. It's okay. <laughs> Great so... disclaimer. Great disclaimer there, mate. <laughs> the Camera Good Beer Guide 2023. It's the 50th edition. It's just come out. I have a copy in my hand at this moment. It's already out of date because the forward is by... 
the HRH Prince of Wales, who is already the king at this point. It just shows something about the book itself, completely out of date by the time it's published. I've got some feelings about it, but I want to start by asking my co-hosts, the good beer guide, camera's good beer guide, the guide to, and we should make this clear, it is the guide to the pubs in this country, the UK, that serve the best, what they consider real ale, by their definition, you know, um, whatever their dispense, as long as it comes under their definition of it, that is how you get into the good beer guide. Guys, do you have any affiliate? Are, are you owners of a good beer guide? Have you put previously bought one? What what do you, what are your feelings towards it? Uh I've I've never bought a copy of it. Um I, I don't own own a copy of it. Um therefore. Uh I, and I'm confused um because it's it it's called the good beer guide, but it recommends pubs and and and, and bars yeah so, so, so why isn't it called the good pub guide um that that's my first point that i that, that i want to make yeah um, like you got a similar thought there rob yeah like i'm the same as you i don't own a copy and i've i've never bought one at least i've never paid that much thought to it but as you just say it's called the good beer guide surely the the criteria for what gets into the good beer guide should just be based on the beer, but it's interesting to see that the criteria takes into other things such as like ambiance, which surely you don't get. You don't get ambiance in a beer. You get how, that in a. You get that in a pub. How do you measure that though? As as, as well, <laughs> measure Listen. measure measure the vibe. Yeah, yeah measure the feel yeah. of a place. Yeah. With a let's, re- let's rewind here. Let's rewind here. <laughs> I have thoughts and feelings about the Good Beer Guide. Go I on, have, Mark. Give us some I have feelings. More, I have more of a personal connection to it than you. That's what I wanted to check. Yeah. You, you guys haven't bought this going into this discussion. No, it's 15 the, quid, mate. Yeah but, on, yeah, but on the other hand, it was always in my house. Always yeah. been in my house. My dad was an annual... Well, I don't think he was an annual purchase of it, is in the fact that it always came out around his birthday and my uncle, his brother just bought him the good beer guide every year as a birthday present. Easily done, isn't it? Just buy him that. No questions asked, but it meant that annually there was a copy always in our house and going on now, I buy it every three or four years. There's no point buying it every year. Because it's the same fucking shit every year and not that much changes. But I do still buy it every three or four years. The last time I bought it was 2019 version. I've now got 2023 version. I've found it useful in the past. And there was a a point where the Good Beer Guide was the guide. And And the reason it came into potentially today's conversation was based on the last post the last post, the last podcast where I said that I mentioned about the um, pubs in Middlesbrough and how I, I, I think it was about when you talk about Middlesbrough. Is I think just you, uh, you mentioned that you would use the Good Beer Guide as to, to kind of find the places that you'd went to, 
And, yeah, and, and, and I, then in the space of a, a very short amount of time, I noticed a lot of activity on my timeline on Twitter where people were posting yeah. that we're in it poster the, the, and, and that this year's version had been released. And then and thought, as well as that, there was people who were posting that they aren't in it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think right. it was it was those points that 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 made me say oh maybe maybe that should be reverberations next month because it's it's something that's on on our timelines and I, yeah. I think for for me the that the one that stood out as being the most interesting was and correct me if I'm wrong but I'm sure I saw elusive brewing post to say we're in the good beer guide yep that's now, right. That that, that well, they're obviously that, that was the, that was the one that they? I thought I, I thought that was the one that I thought was the post that maybe triggered you to uh, put put it as put it to me and Rob that this might be worth talking about because and what I have noticed this time in, in this time edition is there's a lot more tap rooms in there so I I, feel, I do feel there's been a bit of a an evolutionary. Uh, moment for the good beer guide because there are a lot more tap rooms in there, yeah. And, I'm, I'm... and that's what, and that, and that's what I'm, the elusive were really proud of the fact that they're in the guide. And I suppose, uh, it, what, what can, can I ask the question is it worth celebrating? They obviously think it's worth celebrating, so it obviously means something to I. I think I think elusive are very embedded in their local camera network. So in in particular the the Nags Head in Reading that that serve a lot of elusive's beers are I imagine they're in the good beer guide in 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 terms of being one of the places you would go to if you're going to Reading um, because they are very well known for serving very good beer. Um, but yeah, that that was the one that really highlighted it to me because I don't think I'd ever seen breweries with tap rooms shouting about being in the good beer guide before but it's not just that that they're proud of being in the good beer guide now and as i say i've always used it as a guide guide previously these days what i use it as i'll tend to speak to people on that i know speak to people on social media speak to um yeah people within the community make my like i did for york last week which we've already talked about my trip to york and then um i will also then go to the good beer guide and just go i wonder if there's anywhere in here that's possibly mentioned that they've not thought of or that's you know um might be worth a look you never know um so i still find it worth consulting but that's the thing if you what, what rob what do what would you think about somewhere like elusive is obviously really pleased to be in there but do would you ever see it as something that's worthwhile as a guide to places that are serving well, good beer that kind of leads me to so as i haven't bought it myself so i just did a little bit of a search really and i found as well as um places that were just advertising that they were in it then there's also places that um were mentioning that they aren't in it and generally they weren't very pleased that they weren't in it so for example like i think you can give some more context on this mark about um hate and hops uh, up, up in the up, up in the northwest so they i believe they upset some local camera members and then there's um there's a pub called the hollybush inn in uh, magna near derby 
and that has been omitted for being too popular pretty much it's it's too busy um they serve food which apparently the local camera members don't like even though they say that they only do some food at lunchtime and then they also allow children in but only in certain areas so I think some value is kind of taken away from the good beer guide because it I think it, it depends a lot on the, the the members in the local area. So a lot depends on just how progressive the local camera members are. If if they uh, hate someone serving food past uh, packets of crisps or something, then someone might, a pub that is serving good beer or a tap room that's serving good beer might not be um, invited to the far, book. I think you're being far too nice about the situation there, Rob. Yeah, it's the pro- <laughs> the, no. I, th- I think the problem is exactly what you're saying. There's a, a couple of examples there of things that've been going on for years, and this is the problem with the good beer guide, and always has been. Is it's and it's been exploited now. Is there is a favoritism thing. There is mm. a, a problem that Heat and Hops in Stockport said some things apparently on social media that weren't particularly favourable about camera as an organization yeah and they therefore didn't make the good beer guide but what is incredible which has never happened before is that when they questioned whether that was the reason somebody from camera openly from the twitter page of the local camera group yeah i did see that openly replied and confirmed yes the reason you are not in the good beer guide is because you were critical of camera as a group. So nothing to do with the quality of your beer. No. Nothing to do with the quality of your pub. Didn't didn't they also say that it's a, a secret ballot in as, as part of that conversation in that feed? Um I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that local camera group said it's a secret ballot of the members choosing which bars they want to appear. And and you bad mouthing camera just before that ballot took place, obviously changed a lot of people's minds. So but then I think they were very vocal about their, their dislike for those I, those I negative comments as well, weren't they? But the local why members. is it a secret ballot? But why? Uh, what, this is why I don't understand. It's, I, I've, it, seen, I've, seen, I've seen this for years. So I, mean, I, I used to... I used to live in a town called Mosley, which is not far from Staley Bridge. Um, and... I'll tell this story as quickly as I can, but I remember the time there was a pub. I won't name names as best that I can, but there was a pub in Modsley that was easily the best. It was a free house. It was the best um, place in the town for Cascale, for real ale, for you know just good beer, whatever you want to call it, whatever, however you want to frame it. It was easily just like a shoe. If you're going to make a guide called the Good Beer Guide, you'd want to have Cascale, good beer. It was fucking in there, um, and it was my local at the time. Absolutely n- no danger whatsoever. Um, and there was at the same time a pub down the road that served Cascale, which was always ropey. Frequently, well, I wouldn't say frequently. I only went in there four times, maybe twice. I had to return it twice. I just suffered through a couple of bad pints. Fucking awful. Cheap as anything, though. Offered a, ma- a massive camera discount. Awful. Lo and behold, good beer guy comes out. The 
pub that was actually good wasn't in there. The pub that was cheap with the big discounts was in there. And when I asked the landlord of the place that wasn't in there, he said, yeah, um, camera tried arranging a group meeting in here and we're making in inverted commas demands of this place for their meeting. And I told them to fuck off. Um, and the next thing I know that I've not made it into the good beer guide. And the place down the road that's a shite beer but offers all the camera comforts you can absolutely want <laughs> is straight in there. Now, so I've known this is going on for years. I would like to say this was years ago, and I've checked this year, and that has been rectified, yeah. and the crap pub is out, and the good pub is in. So that branch might well have sorted themselves out. They this have become a years progressive ago. branch. But, but the point is, these kind of stories have been... that I'm using that as an anecdote because these kind of stories have been going on for years as to what does make you in and out of this particular guide, which is supposed to be the guide to the best places to drink in Britain. And is it worth, yeah. the you know, the 15 quid that it's written on? I don't know anymore. It's, it's supposed to yeah. be about the beer, right? Yeah, so, but there, there, there seems to be so many other factors that determine whether your venue makes it into said guide or or or, or not and well, well this it, one in derby what what was it called sorry rob the, the, um, the so the holly bush yeah and like the kind of the three main points that were brought up that were given to them as reasons why they didn't get into the good beer guide so first of all that was it it was it was too busy it was too popular so the the local um t-shirts tucked into the jeans types weren't able to get served like within seconds that they had to like stand behind someone else. And then they didn't like that parts of the pub allowed children in. So yeah, just sit somewhere else where there aren't children. And they didn't like that it was serving food. And again, they specified that they're only doing food at lunchtime. And to me, none of that mentions whether the beer is good or not. So what do you think, Steve? Have you seen what what have you seen down your end regarding um, this? Well other than on other than on my Twitter feed, um, in, in terms of places shouting about that they're actually included in, in the guide. The, the the only place that I've actually been into that are actively displaying the, the, the poster is is the Vic in, in, in Colchester. Um I mean, it probably says a lot about my drinking habits. That's probably the only pub I drink in. I, I've not seen many other places or I've not been to many other places displaying that they're in that they're in the guide. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I find it really confusing in, in, in terms of, as, as I said at the outset, it's, it's, it's the good beer guide, but it's, it's, it's actually a guide to venues where you can get good beer and it, it does seem selective at best in terms of how your venue gets listed within said guide. What I would say is a positive this year, and Elise is a good example of that, is um, I would say that there was a certain amount of that kind of camera-based snobbery um, that would keep places like a tap room out um, anywhere across the country, whereas I have noticed just giving it a flick through that there's a lot of tap rooms and micro pubs and you know basically pubs without proper seller sellers 
that are um, obviously still managing to keep Caspier well that are included. That's a positive because it shows a bit of progression and growth and acceptance. Mm. We just like, well, they're still serving the beer well. But it also shows that they're checking as well because the reason I used to only buy it every three or four years is because, and I know from an inside scoop, when my dad was alive, he was a, a camera member who used to be involved in this and it was just very easy to just put the same pubs in each year um and I, I noticed in like local areas and stuff pubs that, you know there's like a a sam smith's pub not a million miles away from here that was in that just might have once served a good pint of old brewery bitter well certainly hasn't for fucking years but up until up until the pre-covid guide was definitely still just getting in the good beer guy based on the fact that it once did serve a good pint of it like 12 years ago um it does feel like this year there's actually been additional research of like shit we best go and check because these places might not be open so it feels a bit a bit more up to date it feels a bit more relevant as i say they've got you know lists of like proper breweries breweries taps micro pubs it's actually yeah it's 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 a nice enough guide again to just have a flick through if you come across one if you see one in a pub that's just on the shelf or something and you're just thinking of having it it might be just worth having a look somewhere yeah i'd have a look but uh, these the fact that these stories like the heat and hop ones and the holly bush still uh crop up means that it's not your definitive guide don't worry about it there's other there's other things out there. Trust your Twitter folk. Trust your podcast. Well, we won't serve you wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a great point, though, Mark. Because coming back to your trip to York and, and and what you said in terms of how you sourced the venues that you wanted to go to, you asked people for recommendations. And yes, it's it, it's great to have this publication that puts all of that into one place. And, and and some people will absolutely rely on that, and they will that that will be their bible essentially in terms of where they're going to drink. But but for me, I'm very much like yourself. If I'm going somewhere new. I want recommendations from local folk who have been to those places who are going to say to me, you absolutely need to drink in this pub because of all of these other factors as, I mean, as, as not, well. Not necessarily local people, but people who people you trust to have been there. And I think it all comes down to a lot to trust. So, for example, in general, I might not take the good beer guide that seriously, especially based on stories like, Hated Hops and the Hollybush. But then again, it goes back to the actual camera members themselves. Like I can't say, I, I don't know a lot about the, the local Warsaw camera where, where I live, but Birmingham camera generally a pretty um, progressive group. So the uh, the T-shirt tucking guys, you you will see them in, in, in the tap rooms as well. So it really comes down, it just comes down to the people you trust and were they prejudiced or not for some reason or another? And, and let's that, let's I'm be honest. If, my t-shirt in. If, if 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 a brewery is mm-hmm. able to serve its own cask beer in its own tap room, surely you're not going to get it better anywhere else. Surely that 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 should be the pinnacle of 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 where you taste that beer. Yeah, you'd have to do something wrong for it not to be 
at its best at the yeah. brewery. Really, but I, th- I think I think it's like you say, Mark. It's a great it's a great addition that they've that, that you've noticed that there's been uh, an increase in the number of tap rooms that that have been included in 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 the latest guide, and that that's progressive in itself. Yeah, that's just a lot life. about the way camera is moving. Yeah. So. Well, and also the way beer's moving. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, isn't that's it? true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and that's yeah. exactly what camera should represent the way mm-hmm. that beer is moving. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, as I say, it's not a camera bashing yeah. thing. I'm still no, a member. No. You know, I've got thoughts on other part elements of the uh, <laughs> cameras and institution, if you want to call it that. But um, you know, that, that's that's for another time. That that's for another reverberation, yes, isn't, it's, isn't, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a, a great discussion uh, uh, again, and one that I, I'm sure we could continue going, and one that hopefully our listeners will get involved in. So if you want to share your thoughts on this subject, use the hashtag belonging to get involved, or you can try the speak pipe voicemail feature to leave us a message and possibly feature in re-reverberations next month. Now, for the first time, we've actually got some re-reverber reverberations reverberations Um, (laughs) i got too excited there and and had to get in and and first up we actually have a speak pipe voicemail and this is from a voice that you may recognize hello there gents it's the x really enjoying the show keep up the good work and looking forward to future episodes just following up on one of your uh, discussions um it appears that north brewing co is finally going to open in manchester it'll be their 10th venue It's going to be at Circle Square, which apparently is a bit of a new development. It's going to have seating for 100 people inside, as well as 30 additional standing. And also there'll be extensive seating outside as well. They'll also have uh, a menu contemporary Asian street food, which will be served up from Leeds-based brand Little Bay Boy, who will have a permanent residency at the tap room as well. So interested in what you think about that, whether, you know, this is going to be an exciting addition to the Manchester beer scene, considering how many exciting places there are to go there already. Um, apparently, they'll have 24 draft lines, 18 lines of keg beer, one cask, and we'll be pouring North's every evolving range of core beers, specials and collabs. They'll also have plenty of wine, cider, spirits and cocktails as well. So looking forward to hearing what you think about that. As I say, keep up the good work and looking forward to the future episodes of Beer Longing. Thanks for that, Martin. Nice to hear from you again. Any thoughts on what Martin was saying there about North uh, announcing now that they're opening their bar in Manchester? Well, just like I always say, Steve, I just like pubs. Just like and, pubs. Yeah. And I just pubs. feel that from, from no, but, but it kind of lends into what we were talking about in the last episode that I. I, I it's great. It'll, it'll, it'll be a place that'll be a nice place to go. I'm sure I'll visit a couple of times, but it's not going to be a place that comes a stalwart for me. And even the way it's described, it sounds quite similar to the place that Rob described going to yeah, which this inc- week. Incidentally, it, it, is exactly the same as the one in Leeds. In, in as Leeds. Well, yeah. So they're, they're kind of creating a bit of a chain in some ways. Yeah. So, mm. you know, and a sure shot of just. Um, and, and I don't believe we talked about it on the show last week, but it's last month. But Shaw Shop Brewery have just opened their Manchester bar, and every other Manchester beer personality has been there. Um, it again it doesn't really look like the kind of place that I'm in a rush to go. I'm sure I will go, I'm sure it'll be a lovely space, it'll be enjoyable, it'll just be another one of those. 
but it's it's similar to exactly what we talked about in the last episode. Similar to the Northern Monk thing coming into Manchester. Mm. I'm I'm, I'm going to get really excited about it. Uh, I'm not sure, but you know, thanks very much for Martin for confirming what because I yeah. I haven't actually had those things confirmed. He's obviously still on the mailing list to somebody. So clearly, <laughs> clearly still on the mailing list. And if you want to share your thoughts, that speak pipe voicemail link is in the show notes. Click on it and send us your own voicemail to feature in the next show. Now we've also got some of our own re reverberations this month. Uh, Mark, I think you've got something that you want to say uh, about the last show because you didn't have enough to say in the last show. No, there was a couple of uh, interesting comments we picked. Uh, uh, to pick up on um and it was great to see people getting involved in the conversation one you know steve from bernavo talked about some of those instances of manchester breweries like blackjack and marble that have their own bars and pomona um, island as well yeah and pomona yep. island which was part of the conversation yep. that we were having on the show about whether we feel that it'll have an impact and he said well, do you know, he said uh, he was I, I, shocked. I, I, he was shocked that we hadn't been to that pub that I forgot the name of it. The gas that, lamp, the gas yeah. lamp, which we, uh, yeah, I didn't know about. Well, I knew about the gas lamp, but it just never. I think I've been in there and just drunk only Pomona Island beers, and I just thought, oh, it must be some kind of tap takeover <laughs> rather than it actually clicking. The, yeah. <laughs> that's because it didn't used to be like that. I've been in the gas lamp plenty of times. I think I've only been once since the connection with Pomona Island happened. So that's my excuse. That is actually the reason. Um, but I mean, he quoted some, I, well, I wouldn't say he quoted some numbers. He was su- suggesting some numbers, you know, if you shift 20 barrels across the city, across various pubs, you could potentially shift 14 your own pub. So does the, losing getting into the independence affect you that much no it's probably better to have your own, your own place and there's some interesting discussion points about that i i enjoyed peter's gate tapping stockport um re- replying and just saying but you know you, you cut yourself out of getting yourself into good independent venues which they obviously meant themselves included in that so there was some it, it it is an an ongoing point that I just don't see the. I, I, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes on. Really, how plays we, we, again with short shot opening up th- this month. Um, I would like to see the impact of North on Birmingham and things like that, but we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. We were just speculating. It's good for people to get involved in that. That's Mark's first point about our own show last month. <laughs> Mark's now going to have another point about our show last month. No, as in, if he in, doesn't get in, to in say enough anyway. To, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, if, if that, if, to be fair, if you, neither of you had anything input on that, you might as well cut that. That's fine. I'm just, you know, I was trying to just trying to bring some reverberations oh, just, to the conversation. Uh, I was no, just, we're, uh... we're allowed to have an opinion on what we put out. Yeah. If, I def- if, if we I then listen have... back and we're not I, I, I for one, happy with it. One of the big reasons I decided to be a co-host on this podcast is that I was going to get to listen to uh, Mark Johnson talk, talk <laughs> his, speak, speak his mind. So, talk yeah. rubbish. Yeah. Pl- 
Please, well, Mark, uh, uh, please continue. Yeah, we've got uh, an, another comment here from uh, Gary at Worksop Driver, who um, just listened to episode two. Um, was not Jaipur named after the city in which the owner got married and therefore they have a connection with? Was his point, which we had confirmed from Simon was the case. Is that correct, Steve? Uh, well, Thornbridge actually yeah. confirmed it and then and, and then Simon backed yeah, it up. So, yeah. so Simon walked and stepped in, didn't he? And then it was Simon Webster who had got married in Jaipur. And I definitely have some some thoughts on that as well, which kind well, of... Well, th- this is in reference to um, our interview with David where we were talking about some of the uh colonial based names that are appearing in beer Jaipur was one of the na- ones that was mentioned so that was Bengalancer just... as well which you've mentioned earlier on this show too yeah. yeah so there's a number of them um now so well when so we've had confirmation that that was named after where the founders of Thornbridge got married mm-hmm. um I've got thoughts firstly what have, what are your guys well. thoughts on that my thoughts are like for a start off, someone there was one person who questioned whether we should be cancelling these beers, which we, I think, we were all in agreement that no, it's not about that. It's about having a conversation, which uh, it was great to have a conversation about some of these subjects with uh, David Jesse Dawson, and congratulations to David. He's just won um, some more awards for his beer writing, which is fabulous. But, yeah, I think what I would take from the Thornbridge, the Jaipur being named after the wedding, is that I've been drinking this beer for years and I didn't know that. Mm. I would like more to be made about that on the can. because, And I was talking to my um, my friend about this, drinking in the Colmore, the, the Thornbridge pub in Birmingham. We were talking about Jaipur. And we both had just assumed that it was like, just a, a name that was related to India Pale Ale. What about you, Steve? I, th- I, th- I think my view on it is it, it slightly lends itself to what Rob was saying there in terms of, yes, I never knew that. And I've been drinking Jaipur for many years now. And I've been a, been a big fan of Thornbridge and everything that they do. And, and that little factet had passed me by. I, I never, never knew that. Now, in terms of them putting it on, the, the, the can or or whatever I, I think I'm right in saying and this is where my fanboy might kick in a little bit I'm sure they that their core range stuff has minimal information on 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 the cans other other than it's the style and the ABV and the ingredients so some of their special releases have got a little bit more text on 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 the cans and on the on on the bottles um but yeah it, it's something that I'd love to see highlighted on the can as, as, as to this is the reason why this beer is called this. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, don't go on. I was, I was just going to say, you could easily, without knowing that you can, you can look at the name, the beer. And this, especially when you think a little bit more about some of the writing David has done. And then the discussions we had with David, that it is like, it can just appear to be a bit problematic that you're just naming a beer after the effects of, colonialism yeah but which, let's, which let's, isn't the it, which isn't the case but it's just i just want more context really yeah because let, let's we be should honest be i mean it, about... it, it could be called i don't know boston ipa like they, they could have decided to have got married in boston 
and and that, that that's what they could have called it you, you know and but i i think that that little element that little part of that story it's it's actually a really great selling point because yeah. it, it actually makes that beer even more personal to the people that own the brewery that now produces it yeah um, i agree with that the, the the point that i actually had to go out of my way to ask thornbridge if that was right um suggests that that should be more readily available to people as the behind the scenes of this beer sort of thing what do you reckon mark well <laughs> that, that that's okay our listeners couldn't see the wry <laughs> smile i i said just yeah. crept across well, mark's I, face I, I certainly sense that i'm gonna be in agreement with in agreement with mark but mark is gonna uh put it in very clear words now i think Listen. <laughs> no, so my, my issue with that, and thank you for Gary for his comment, and I want to make it clear, um, it was made a really great discussion point. I am not suggesting that um, Gary is in any way trying to justify anything here. He raised the point that we didn't know. It brought about the conversation. What I was worried about from that conversation was it maybe sounded like that we could be then going oh well, that's all right then oh we didn't know that mm. and therefore yeah. the, convers- the conversation is now null and void um because oh it's just because it's just because they got married there now it's not for what we're trying to create discussion as as we've you know mentioned on every show so far perhaps less on this show um that we're in the most privileged position to have these conversations that um we're trying to create these conversations around it but we certainly don't have the answers and therefore these are conversations to be had so jaipur yes now we know the story it doesn't change the fact that there is still an ongoing thing about naming india pale ales after these Indian places and the colonial context of that and the imperialistic context of that still needs to be discussed and whether or not Jaipur is in the wrong doesn't also take away the fact that it is part of the conversation as one of the biggest beer brands, certainly the biggest beer brand with a name that relates to that kind of um, culture um, it will, you know, Jaipur's not going anywhere. It's now, it's now Jaipur's a brand now. It, um, yeah. It's not going to change its name anytime soon. But I also don't think that you could name a beer Jaipur in 2022. No, so that's things, very true. things have moved on and it's different. All of that discussion came about because of that great chat that we had last month with David. And this month we are talking to Sophie Grumwell. Sophie, for those of you that know her, is a blogger. She's a qualified Cicerone and she also works for Lost and Grounded as their brand activation and comms manager. Welcome, Sophie, to the podcast. It's great to have you here with us from the legendary beer shed, as as we can see. Our listeners can't see that, but you are sat with an amazing wall of empty cans behind you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It is great that you've joined us this month. For our listeners who maybe don't know who you are, 
you want to give us a little bit of your background, who you are, where you've come from, what you do right now, that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm Sophie, and as you have already introduced me, I work with Lost and Grounded Brewers. I do the um, brand activation and communications, which is the marketing role um, with them, um, which has been very exciting. I only started at the end of May, and um, it's just been a bit of a whirlwind since there. It's just been a lot of festivals, a lot of events, um, as well as a lot of other projects that have been been quite quite good, strong projects to come in at, at as a starting point. Um, yeah, and I've always been a very avid listener of the show as well, so it seems very novel that I actually get to come and appear on it and actually join you guys for a chat. The start of where I came from is that I got into beer purely by accident. It was basically because I decided to pick hobby that my partner Josh was interested in, and um, yeah, we just started going out to a few places and. Um, quite a lot of um, traditional pubs and places around where we live so um, you know a lot of traditional bitters and things like that which you'd expect in the in the southwest of, of, the, of England. Most notably I did a blog about it recently as well on my journey is that I started um, getting into beer in about 2015 when I went to my first Indie Man and uh, it was uh, quite an exciting experience but I didn't know it at the time necessarily. Um, I originally wanted to go to Manchester because I got to go on the Coronation Street tour I convinced Josh that we we had to go and do that and he you know dragged his heels a little bit and um but said that's fine yeah but we're going to go to this beer festival so I was like right okay we'll compromise on that one and um yeah went along I got to go on my tour which was great and got to pull some pints behind the um, the bar at the Ravers um which unfortunately isn't a real bar and they don't have real beer there for you to drink um <laughs> disappointing, that is <I> devastating <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've seen the pictures and i assumed that was expertly poured real ale so gutted no they mm. don't get you to pour real ale unfortunately mm. that would have been a good part of the tour if you yeah. actually pour the bits <laughs> Um, yeah, and so we went along to, to the Victoria bus for Indie Man. Um, and so this was uh, in 2015. Um, I don't know when it first started. I think you know a bit more about that, Mark, than I do. 2012. Um, 2012. Okay, so I didn't go into it too late then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just first of all, blown away completely by the venue. It's just an amazing little like rabbit hole of places and little bars everywhere and I didn't really know quite what to expect. And then I ended up trying a beer from Mad Hatter Brew, which was the Zatsiki Sour. And that really blew my mind. I was like, is this beer? How can this be beer? Um, And so with that, it really kind of sparked my enthusiasm to try quite a lot of different things. So I suppose I was one of those very enthusiastic, got to try every beer out there, got to try every style. Um, but it just made me come away thinking that I needed to, to explore more things um, and do a little bit more learning as well. And um, I ended up then doing a course um, actually within the same year for the beer sommelier accreditation. So it's all the preliminary um, qualifications that you can do. And that was with the, it was at the time, the Beer Academy, which is now the Beer Insider Academy. Yeah, was getting ready to do that. Thought I'll sit down and write my portfolio. I'll do some prep for the exam, and then real life took over, and I never got it finished. Um, which 
I kept telling myself I was going to do it, but you always find a reason not to. Um, mine kept being that I don't work, I didn't work in the industry. Uh, I worked in an optician's. What what would I need to probably do it for? What would I gonna, was I going to gain from doing it? And then as we, you know, time goes on a bit more, and I just sort of carried on enjoying beer as a bit of a hobby. I started my blog, which um, so that was in the following year. So that was 2016. I started blogging. And really, I use that as a way to talk about my experiences as a new drinker on the beer scene, because there was a lot of um, very well established um, beer drinkers and beer writers out there at the time. And I felt like there was a little bit of a gap for someone like me that was maybe starting out and wanted to share some experiences of trying new things. Um, and some of it about the kind of daunting aspect of like not knowing what to pick when you're looking at a full menu at a you know, at a bar and you're seeing it on the wall and you think what on earth do I go for I've got no idea because I'm still just sort of learning about what styles I like and um, not necessarily having the confidence to ask for help at that stage so yeah I use the blogging as a bit of a way to to talk through those things and whether you know whether that would help someone else that was starting out um, that was kind of my goal for that. And also I wanted to champion the local area. There wasn't, again, very, very much spoken about in the area. Um, so I really wanted to talk more about um, the local breweries that we have here, the local beers that we have here, and some of the more um, newer, newer ones that were coming through at the time as well. So yeah, potted along with that for a little bit. And then we had a global pandemic and um, everything shut down. I went into furlough and... I decided to have a look at doing some online courses. Um, so uh, Natalia Watson did, um, she called that a virtual beer school, but it was just like a, like a free session you can go into. You could um, learn about different things. She had different guests on each week. And one of the ones that I was particularly interested in was um, she was talking about the difference between certified sistering qualification and the beer sommelier qualification. And she had um, chess sons to do that as well. And who were given both sort of sides of the of the coin on that one, and I really thought I'll I'll do that to see if I can actually crack on and finish this sommelier course. Like I, I've got the time now; I haven't got an excuse. Let's get on and do it. And felt really inspired. Uh, I asked for some help from both of them about um, how I could go about writing the portfolio, and they're both really helpful. And then I got a message from Nat inviting me to, um, to do the course for her virtual beer school, which would be the accredited course for the beer server um, qualification. And I sort of undenied and I thought, oh, do you know what, why not? Let's just, let's have a go, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And went forward to, to do it and signed up, got to be part of cohort one with Rob. Yeah, oh, I was, didn't get a special invitation though. <laughs> I wouldn't have said it was a special invitation. I think she she reached out to me because I'd already inquired about the differences yeah. between between the two um, and said, would I want to have a look at starting that's the journey? A, so that's a good point, actually. I I don't know a lot about the um, the beer and inside of the sommelier course. What what are the key differences between the two? As a person who has uh, experienced both to an extent. Yeah, so you have to submit, so you have to do the three preliminary preliminary courses. So there's a foundation course, an advanced course, and then how to judge beer course. 
um, and each of those you learn different skills um, to help you um, get ready for the final exam. So you have to do a portfolio of evidence where you have to show um, that your ability to be able to communicate a beer, about beer and you're able to um, identify styles and, and do food pairings and things like that. Um, but at the time when I was first looking into it, again, I, I wasn't working in the beer industry. So how am I supposed to do a portfolio of evidence of things like that? Um, which is where I kind of asked Nat and Chess for some help on how I could actually fill in a portfolio at the time. Um, and then the final exam, I think you just sit in front of one person and they haven't actually started picking them up. Well, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think they're testing at the moment um, because it's only one, one person that actually is the examiner for it. And um, you sit down and you do um, style discrimination, blind to style, style discrimination and, and have a chat through the portfolio and things like that before they decide whether or not you've passed. So that was quite daunting, really, as an idea to sort of sit in front of someone and try and do a, you know, a verbal exam for however long it takes to do that. Um, yeah, so I decided to um, to sign up for the, the virtual beer school level one. And we ended up coming away with a really good group of people from that. Um, so I never intended, actually, when I signed up to the course, that I take any form of examination. I just thought I'll go in there to learn a little bit more about beer, freshen my knowledge, ready to do the um, sommelier exam, when, if and when we're able to do that again. And it got to the end of the, the first course and it was we were told, you know, you go out there um, take the exam if you like. I thought, no, I won't bother doing it. And then I had Josh Elbow and he said, well, just go on and do it, do it. So I took the exam and passed it, thankfully, and didn't think much of it. Then it, we were all asked um, from the virtual beer school group, do we want to go on and do level two? And again, I thought, oh, you know, there was two categories, whether you just want to do it to learn about beer or whether you want to take it seriously and and do the, the second part where you can prepare for the exam. Yeah, again, we, we, you know, we had really good fun going through the courses. I think I got probably dubbed the person that, well, very much the Lost and Grounded fan because I was always drinking Lost and Grounded beers and always the one that used to drink all of the samples for each of the style discrimination sessions. I would order in all of the styles. <laughs> the exam was in London. I remember kicking myself all the way back from London thinking, oh, I don't think I've done very well. To my surprise, I ended up passing and I thought, crikey, and I can call myself a certified sister and this is weird. Um, and I, again, at the time, I didn't really think what I was going to do with it. I just thought if I took the exam and I got a qualification, I could maybe use it as a bit of a stepping stone into beer at some point. I wasn't quite sure what role that was going to take, how that was going to look, whether I was um going to use that to open you know have our own bubble bar uh, whether I was going to try and see if I could actively get into the industry in some way um and then kind of out of the blue really I had a message from Annie and Alex and they said you know we've got something coming up we think you might be interested and we think you ought to apply um and set you know sent 
over there was some details about a job so I applied I uh, went through went through for interviews and um, decided to take the plunge I left a job that I'd done for over 12 years wow. and <laughs> decided to, to take a jump into the beer world and I haven't looked back yeah, so yeah, that, so let, we should probably mention. So now you've been at lost and grounded for for a few months, and you have very kindly sent us out some beers, and I believe Mark is drinking what you'd probably describe as your flagship beer. Yes, yeah, so I've got the Keller Pills, so we're just gonna. And it, it was very kind. If you sent us a, a few beers, we're just gonna touch on them briefly. Um, I've got the Keller Pills, which. I'm going to go out on a limb and say doesn't need an introduction, but in terms of your new job role, how important is that beer as a statement of the brewery and the job that you perform, do you think? I mean, this is the beer that the brewery was built for. You know, everything that we've done has started off with the Keller Pills. We brew it every week of the year. It's that important. Um it's it's hard to describe it as a as you know in how important it is we've got a mural of it on the front of the brewery that's how much we love it you know yeah I always kind of joke that we kind of built built this brewery on color pills a bit like this song we built this brewery on rock and roll it's Um, pretty true though isn't it (laughs) yeah like you you see the way the, the brewery kind of rapidly grew over a short period of time and as you say, a lot of that is down to the success of Keller Pills. Everything is based upon the Keller Pills as the as as the flagship beer. Um, it's definitely our bestseller, and you can kind of see why. It's a little bit bitter. It's still really crisp. It's still really clean. It's got a bit of a lemony freshness to it. It's just such an easy drinking beer. So I am drinking No Rest for Dancers, which is your red ale. Am I right in thinking that this is a, a seasonal beer? And no, this is the in the core range, so we do it all year round. Well, I am an idiot, and it is very good. And why am I not drinking this all year round? <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a, um, a te- you know, a bit of a nod to the Belgian double sort of style. Um, but yeah, it's it's still, you know, we'd like to call it. We've, we've called it a red ale. I was just going to say, so yeah, this is in the core age. People keep tweeting saying, why are there no red ales? And your answer is, there are. There is no rest for dancers from Lost and Grounded, which yeah. is uh, readily available from all good beer retailers, probably. Absolutely, or available from the web store. I've got the Running with Spectres, which is an annual release, isn't it? It only only comes out once a year. And when, when it arrived in, in the pack that you kindly sent to us, I did um kind of cool shotgun on this one uh, over the other two because this is an absolute favorite of mine uh it's a baltic porter 6.8 percent and it does does come out this time of year that doesn't it uh why why only do it once a year so we brew it um for release in november so it is our seasonal release it's not technically within the core range even though the can art does follow along the the core range theme um so it is a bit of our our play on the words of um our ipl which uh, the running with spec uh, running with sectors and um yeah we only brew this one um so once a year it's very seasonal and this is purely just because 
um, where it's a Baltic porter, uh, traditionally Baltic porters um, originated from the Baltic region where it is much cooler. And um, I think that's a little bit of our nod to it really is that we want to kind of release it when things are a little bit cooler, using a little bit more of the traditional process. And um, yeah, and it's also just a style that we really love. I asked Alex actually, why why he decided to brew a Baltic Porter for an almost core style, like regular beer, over maybe something like um, a Dunkel or other black lagers, you know, um, and Shaw's beer. And he said that he just really loved Baltic Porter. Uh, they always wanted to have a black lager within the range and they just, they fell upon the, the Baltic Porter style and just fell in love with it. So that's why we do it. Is it is it the same recipe every year, or does it does it change from year to year? Um, so it is the same recipe, but we have just fine tuned it for this year. So a lot more. This is a lot of more smoother version than we had from last year, which I I quite like. Um, it's something I particularly like about the style. Um, so yeah, it's still got that lovely roastiness, but it's just got a much smoother finish to this year's. Which is which is really nice. So yeah, I think you know, you, you, as a brewer, you can't always just say, "Yeah, that's perfect. We're just going to leave it alone." We do just like to keep checking it, dialing in the recipes a little bit more, trying to get the best out of the ingredients. And I think the the new Baltic Porter has really sort of showcased that for us. Um, we are able to, with the state of the art brewery, I mean, um, as you've seen it when you've come down, that we are able to to fine tune every element of the brewing process um by by, by tiny amounts so it can make all difference the tiniest degree the slightest bit of a second before we change we turn off the boil all of that we can do and then yeah just make the very best of the ingredients and, and bring out the best in them really from from a certain point of view you're getting to see the other side of things now i, I guess having previously been there as a punter um, a consumer and now you're there as, as somebody that works in the industry how, how have you found that transition I, I, I think in in your intro you said you've been with lost and grounded from from may and you feel like you spent a lot of time just doing beer festivals i mean how how has that experience been for you being the other side of the table it's been rather strange because now i'm seeing myself as a representative which i probably was a little bit of like an unofficial fangirl for them anyway even before I started working for them but now that I'm actually working with them I do understand that there is a, a more professional role that I need to take and there's a certain way that I need to conduct myself that element of it hasn't really changed for me it's been more that I now get to talk about beer with people which is really exciting and I can do it more without boring people all of my friends are probably very sick of me talking about beer so you've just been at the uh, Women in Beer Festival in Edinburgh. Uh, how was that experience? What was what was that like? That was really good fun and also really daunting because I ended up doing a, a talk and tasting where I was on my own and uh, the other groups that got involved got to sit in panels. So it was quite daunting. And I'm also now talking to really inspirational women within the brewing industry. So other people, you know, other women that are doing similar roles to myself. We've got brewers there. We've got um, ladies that are part of organisations to promote women's safety. Um, you know, representatives from um, women-owned bars and, and loads of loads of really 
really interesting um, women that have got very strong voices themselves as well and very empowering voices. So, yeah, it really kind of sparked um, quite an exciting um, part of it, but it kind of goes back to our kind of brave noise movement as well, which that all kind of nicely kind of flowed in together. It was nice to talk to, to other ladies within the industry and find out ideas from everyone else and ways that we can kind of look to move forward as we we come out of the brave noise. Well, not as we come out of it, because we don't want to come out of it. But as we kind of look to see how the brave noise movement might change for, for the UK. Well, because I was going to say, that's not something we're coming out of. It's something that we the brave noise thing is something that not enough breweries in my mind and I'm showing your your own mind and not enough people have signed up for so far yeah there's only 12 12 breweries that I think at last look have signed up for it which yeah it's a bit a bit of a shame really um it'd be nice to see more people it was nice to you know see that it still has a bit of momentum that people are still signing up even though a lot of the the initial um when it was first set up um i think there was some people that were really quick to get on board and then there were others that kind of got to it a little bit slower um we were quite fortunate that we had um a bit of a platform with lost and grounded in as much that we used we had our beer featuring at the we are beer festivals this year so it was a really nice way to communicate the message a bit more and kind of keep it into everyone's mind space um, but yeah, it'd be nice if if we can kind of get a few more breweries on board, even if they could do, you know, an event or or whether they could start, whether they could put some sort of like special edition label on one of their own cans or, you know, one of their own beers they already do. Just again, helping to raise the awareness of that, really. And for, for our listeners that aren't 100% aware of what's what is that awareness? What what are we aiming for with the brave brave noise movement? Yeah, so the brave noise movement is uh, it was started off in America um, with um, Brianne Allen, who's um, I think tag is at Rap Magnet on Instagram, and it was really a way that she started off with a question: Have you ever experienced sexism in the beer industry? And loads of people came forward. There was like a floodgate had opened where everyone was sharing their stories about um, discrimination or um, inappropriate behaviour that was happening in the workplace, which really sparked off a massive, almost like a Me Too movement of beer. But it was just really important messages that had to come out. And so from that point, um, Brianne Allen, um, along with a a collective, decided to set up the Brave Noise um, initiative, where they were getting breweries to sign up all across America. Um, that's where it sort of started out. And they would um, brew a special beer. They would follow a similar recipe. They would have um, the artwork. It would all be uniform artwork that would go out. Um, and there would be, you'd have, you would donate um, to a cause, a non- non-for-profit cause to, to kind of help, you know, either, um, a, you know a domestic charity or a women's based charity hospitality charity something like that and you also had to uh, publish your code of conduct so that was a really important one for them is that they needed to make sure that if you're undertaking the brave noise project that you are following the, a code of conduct that is appropriate behavior for food for your staff for you know the customers if you have food traders any of those sorts of things 
And it was actually my first assignment at Lost and Grounded to do when I arrived in May was, could you write our code of conduct? (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Which which was a a massive, no, no pressure, massive Mm. undertaking. But when you start breaking it down, you realize that actually as a brewery, we already have those values. We already have these things, but we've not necessarily put them down on paper and not necessarily had them published before. So it was just a, you know, a nice reaffirmation that we do do these things. You know, we have this strict policy. We've got a no tolerance on, on these things. And um, yeah, we went forward and, and made our brave noise beer. Unfortunately, I've missed out on the brew day. That was just before I, I arrived, but it's been, it's been really good to be part of, of the project in some way. And then actually been able to talk about it as well and kind of share share what it means to everyone which is something that we we focused on um quite a bit when we did the women in beer festival as well it was a a recurring theme that kept popping up so just one last thought sophie with your new job role will the blog be continuing yes it will continue um but it won't be really in the same formats necessarily as what i've been doing before i still want to think about championing 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 local businesses to me and spreading a little bit more about the southwest but there's going to be a little bit less kind of like reviews and things like that so i will i will keep doing it i think there'll be some other themes and maybe people might be interested to know about my journey further into working in beer going from having this is how i started learning about beer and how i started drinking beer moving into what happens when you you move into a role within beer that's great to hear, Sophie, and we wish you all the luck uh, with your role at Lost and Grounded as well, and and for all of uh, Lost and Grounded's future endeavours as, as as well. It's a, it's a brewery that's very fond to all of our hearts, and and it's been great to have you on this this month's podcast. And thank you once again for sending us the the, the beers to to try. We'll put links in the show notes to where people can read your work and where people can have a look around the Lost and Grounded website, pick some beers up for themselves. Thank you very much for coming on and joining us from the Beer Shed. It's, it's been a lot of fun uh, and, uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to have Sophie join us there. Any thoughts on the the, the, the chat that we had there, guys? Oh, it's, it was just great to hear in more detail just Sophie's story. I mean, all, all three of us know, know Sophie a little through uh, various get-togethers that we've had and then me through the virtual beer school as well, which Sophie has uh, got further with me and then gone through to do the certified Cicerone exam. And it is also great to just touch on the the brave noise movement, which is something that um, I think it's, well, it's called brave noise and m- more noise needs to be made about it because it's extremely important. Absolutely. So, so, something I hope that we can... Uh, talk about more on this podcast going forward because yep. it's such an important thing. But also, it's just nice to have somebody that's so positive. Yeah. Also, be really nicely welcomed into the beer community because you know I can be quite grumpy. It can be quite a negative space at times. So it's lovely to have somebody like Sophie just uh, f- find a way into it and, uh, and now employed by it and hopefully it can just make things a better place so yeah i think yep. her story of going from 
not essentially not being in the industry to working in the industry is a, is, is a great one and it, it should be an inspiration to, to to anybody looking to make that jump in, in into working in in the industry so thanks very much sophie for your time and again just to reiterate once again thanks for the beers that you you, you sent across to us to to feature as part of that chat and also just just to enjoy and who doesn't enjoy a lost and grounded beer from time to time Time for our final beers this month. Uh, Mark, what are you diving into? Uh, well, I'll tell you, Steve. <laughs> I, Please do, <laughs> as, as I gave you the segue. <laughs> I just thought I should try and find the date on it. Yes, the bottled on day is August 2013, and it's uh, Buxton Brewery's Sede Vacante. Um, three thirty mil bottle of Imperial Stout aged in whiskey barrels. So, uh, nine. Well, nearly nine and a half years old now. So, um, how's it tasting? Have you tried it yet? I have not, and I'm going to do this in front of you right now. It's. Mm. It doesn't look like there's a lot of life in that glass. <sighs> mm. Well, the whiskey is alive and well. Again, to give some brief background, because there was actually the bottle, as I was reading it there, was flaking away the label. Um, for people that have been following me on social media for a number of years will know that I, around 2014, moved into a house for three or four years with a very, very moldy cellar i was really excited to have a cellar where i was properly cellaring beers and it mostly ruined all of them within 18 months they all just sm- smelt and tasted like mold i can't even exaggerate it. even people that sell a beer for years insist that that can't be the case and i can't tell you how much it was the case that every beer just tasted like mold like it ruined beers but because of that, there's a lot of beers that came out of that that I've now had for, as it would turn out, nearly nine years um, that I can't bring myself to drink. And that was actually why I wanted this segment at the end of the show, Steve, really, to try my way through. Drink through your mouldy beers. Yeah. And so, so, so this that, is does, what does, does that one taste mouldy? And I don't know whether it's the impact of the whiskey barrel, which is very strong in this still. You would think it maybe would have mellowed out a little bit and we'd be getting something else from it, but there's that edge of... But I think all kind of long-term ageing kind of almost has a taste that has tastes a little bit old, which you could associate with mould. So I don't know what it is with this, but no, the whiskey barrel over the top of it is hiding certainly a lot of that, but it just... It tastes mostly of like whiskey flavored beer at this point it's i don't i don't know if it's good maybe you, once you guys have gone through your beers come back to me see if it's got any better so <laughs> rob what have you gone for this this month well for, I've, I've i've just about made it through that um empress tonkoko which the first third of it was was nice and then oh it's just so sickly 
So, yeah. Uh, but now I'm not going to be um, very pleased with myself. I have very much embraced the whole back of the cupboard thing. And I have, um, it's a collaboration between Formbridge and Mikola. And it went out of date um, last December. And it is the Free of Diamonds Passion Fruit IPA. And I'll be honest, I'm not looking forward to it all. I'm just going to take a sip now. Oh, okay. That's that, that's not that's that's all right. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So this is this is a beer that you look at that. It's obviously not meant to be um, aged. It's one that I kind of just bought a load of beers that someone wanted to get rid of, and then I've ignored it until now. But um, it's I thought it was going to. It's not. I wouldn't say it's um, sour or anything, but it's a little bit of bitterness to it and there's that that passion fruit flavor that i know so well from uh yogurts yeah i mean i, I remember the beer at the time and mm. you know it was it was all right it did a job there was the ipa and there was a sour and then there was mm. another one as well wasn't yeah because i think I, was, I think one of the sours was in a 330 mil bottle and i think it might have been the three of clubs mm. i might still have a bottle of that so well, that would make sense, wouldn't it, with but, the name? I didn't realise that. That was potentially supposed to be aged rather than, you know. Yeah. Accidentally no, aged. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this, to be honest, is just not my style of beer. But considering how old it is now, considering it went out of date last December, it doesn't taste bad. I should think some of the flavours have certainly been muted compared to what they were. So yeah, it's a it's a, an interesting experiment this back of the cupboard thing because sometimes you're going to get something that maybe you're not looking forward to, and like like was it last month, Steve, when you had a beer which ended up being that the, Green King one, the, the, the six the year yellow, old Suffolk Springer, in, in, in yeah. oh clear, yes, a clear bottle that had turned yellow, yeah. yeah. Whereas I, I've not quite got that effect where I've been pleasantly surprised, but. Uh, yeah, it's not that bad. It's drinkable. It's it's all right. So, uh, Steve, what what have you um, ferreted out of the back of your cupboard? So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm nothing if but typical at this time of year and traditionalist. So, bearing in mind that this is our last show of the year, it is a bit of a beer o'clock show tradition to feature a particular beer at the end of a year. So I'm drinking uh, last year's Fuller's Vintage Owl. So this is the 2021 version. Lucky, lucky man. That I'm finishing off with this evening. And this is is probably the reason why I dropped down to the No Rest for Dancers rather than carrying high on the ABV. Because actually in terms of the profile of the barley wine at the beginning, the profile of the red owl in the middle, and now the profile of the vintage owl at the end. They they all work really well together. Uh, this is a year in, and it's it, it, it's tasting great. It's um, some years with the Fuller's Vintage. You you on on your first taste of it when it's fresh, you get a real feel that 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 beer is going to be something special. I didn't necessarily get that last year from from the 2021. Um, it's it's developed quite nicely o- over the last year. It's not blowing me away. This isn't the most amazing vintage owl I've, I've ever tasted, but am, am am I enjoying it? 
absolutely um is is there a time when i'm never going to enjoy vintage ale no um but this is yeah it's 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 working quite nicely while we're just finishing off our finds from the back of the cellar this month let's get into the last part of the show it's the end of this belonging show my friend and this month we're going to do something that kind of ties into the good beer guide and finding good cask beer but also in that theme of our first time so what we're going to talk about is uh the first time that we ever really discovered cask pints yeah uh, I, I, I can start off with that I, I reckon my first like experience of drinking pints of cask beer going going back a few years now uh, to the point where I won't specify the exact venue because I was definitely uh, several years underage, but um, it was my, my, my rugby club, which is where I kind of started to get my love of beer and specifically cask beer. I mean, cask beer was the only beer I really drank until well not that long ago really until i was well into well into my 20s when i started realizing that lager wasn't all carlin but uh yeah so but i can't remember what the specific beer would have been when i was having my first um pints of cask but considering where i'm from in the world in in, in the west midlands in, in the black country warsaw um they did used to have Fuller's London Pride, so I had a good taste for that from 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 a young age. So I think I was very lucky to um, have some good beer as my um, my mm. first cask. What, what what about you, Mark? Uh, well, definitely my first local, which was called the Stanford Arms, which was the nearest pub to my home. Growing up, it was a Thwaites house. Um, and by home, I mean my parents' house, obviously. Um, when I was turning of age, I, I, I suppose it's it's interesting to approach the beer at that time that I approached every. I was a Guinness drinker initially going in, but then I was like, but I like bitters, bitters is all right, and things. And I go to places, I'd be like, oh, they do, oh, do, they do a good pint of. Caffrey's here. They do a good pint of Worthington's. Good pint, a good pint of bitter as well as a good pint of Guinness was nice. Um, and it was in the Stanford Arms. It was like, well, they do a good pint of Thwaites Bomber. Um, this was when Thwaites was still brewed in Blackburn at yeah. the original Thwaites Brewery. Um, and they do a good pint of Bomber. They just call it Bomber then. Um, I'm pretty sure it was, I can't remember what, in what eras it was called Lancaster Bomber. Um, it was considered a bit stronger because I think it was 4.4, which, you know, sounds ridiculous in this day and age, I suppose. Um, and again, it was, um, for, for me, I, I, I was just like, all right, okay, I'll give that a go. You, you, you have a taste of that um, because it's something, I was like, yeah, well, I don't mind anything else. Else on the bag, give that. And then it was, that was it. I didn't drink anything else but Cask Bomber cask beer in the Stanford for the rest of my time. It's where I used to do the pub quiz and stuff when I was that age um, for years and years. I went on and that's 
I, I soon went off Guinness Nitro Stouts. I soon went off uh, Smooth Flow Bitters and became a cast beer drinker because the bomber tasted so damn good in Stamford. And that was when I became a cask beer drinker. What about yourself, Steve? I, th- I think mine was that, that there was a pub that I used to go to frequently called the Thatched House, which is uh, a pub in Dagenham, which is uh, almost underneath a flyover. So you, you, you're painting a pretty nice picture straight so away. It's, ca- it's called the Thatched House under a flyover. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That, that is an interesting is, picture. Is, is, is it just... d- did it have a thatched roof? Absolutely not, no. It, it may have done at one point. Who, yeah. who knows? Bit, bit pre-flyover. Um, yeah, and and I used to be uh, a, a group of us used to go in there pretty much every night of the week, just purely to play pool, more mm. more than anything else. And but as as a result of that, it it was also to to buy the cheapest possible beer that was on offer, which which I think at the time was um, probably pre the, the 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 smooth flow time, and it, it was probably like Worthington's best bitter. Or, or something like that, which I think back then was probably about one fifty nine a pint, or or, or something like that. That's and, expensive for and, then, and, 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 and um, and, a, easy, a gentleman, easy. a gentleman, <laughs> a gentleman of your vintage. Yeah. Um, and all all I remember it tasting like was just like brown water, um, that really no flavour to it or anything. And I think it was it was after that phase that. I, I kind of then went back into drinking lagers because the 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 the, the real ale wasn't doing anything for me. It just wasn't it wasn't appealing. It wasn't it didn't have any flavour to it or anything. And I, I think just over time, my my time at the Thatched House stopped, and I I found other local pubs. And that, 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 then there was the advent of the the smooth flow. And things like Boddington's and that 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 sort of thing, and you, you, you know, it's it, it's then when you start to find different flavors, and I, I think I, I I dipped as as a result of that early experience, I dipped in and out of drinking cold fizzy stuff as opposed to flat warm beer, and it, it probably wasn't until oh I don't know probably. 20 the the, the late the, the the late noughties just coming into 20, 20 2010 2011 when when i started rediscovering cask beer again and 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 actually flavorful cask beer so it, yeah it was it was it was quite quite a journey really in terms of what 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 i drank and what was available as as opposed to did i enjoy that product at the time probably not but i was drinking it because it was cheap in 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 the venue that i was in and now I'm drinking a beer that I've had in my stash for 10 years and acting like it was ages ago. So. so it has been a while since you first opened it, Mark. How is it? Is it coming good in the glass? It is absolutely tasting the, well, delicious. Is that delicious too strong? It's tasting fine. Doesn't have any of that sort of moldy quality. It's got, um, the, the problem, the problem with keeping a beer for this long is that I, I definitely had a bottle of it at the time. Thinking, oh, I'll compare it, but I have no idea what that bottle tasted like at the time. So, how how can I possibly remember with all the imperial stouts scrambled in between whether whether this has developed or not? I have absolutely no idea, and that's the 
That's the problem with aging beers for this damn long. This particular beer is now tasting great, but probably did taste better a number of years ago. I uh I've done this beer a disservice to be honest. It's it's one that perhaps it wouldn't have been my ideal choice anyway to drink a passion fruit RPA, but yeah, it's all it's all it's all very muted and it's a shame. I'm I'm sorry to to Formbridge and to to Mikula for uh, this seven percent very muted flavoured passion fruit IPA. Uh, my vintage ale was tasting great, by the way. So I'm glad you're both enjoying yours. I'm nobody really cares. enjoying mine. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, nobody, no, nobody cares. And well, that, I, that... I care, Steve. <laughs> I, I, I care about you. That brings us to the end of this episode. You can follow me on Twitter at Beer O'Clock Show for all the latest updates on the show and what I'm up to. Mark, where can listeners find you? They can find me at, at Mark N. Johnson on Twitter and beercomplication.co.uk where I promise to post some blogs by the end of the year. And you can find me at uh, Rob underscore Edwards 90 on, on Twitter and and Instagram, and then this link tree for the other stuff. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Belonging. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on the things we've been chatting about. And we also wish you a very Merry Christmas and all the best for the new year. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. I'll tell you what, I've, I've just realised, I don't know what Sophie's surname is. It's, it's, it's right there on the screen. Is it, is it Beer Blog? Oh, yeah, there we go, Grumwell. Sweat. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> if only she'd given us a clue, Rob. If I don't only. fucking read things. <laughs> I didn't realise you're so formal that we've all got our surnames on Zoom. Rob? <laughs> You're the only one that hasn't put at least a version of their surname. <laughs> <laughs>